Well, good morning. It's really good to get the opportunity to be with you today. My name is Wendell Brown. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, I'm, I'm the district superintendent of North Central Ohio District, which means you're part of a connected work that includes 64 congregations across 22 counties in Ohio. And today, uh, roughly about 9,000 of us will gather together to worship the Lord all across the state of Ohio. And uh, it's a privilege to get the opportunity to, to speak to you. I think I'm last in the rotation until Pastor Troy gets back, so that after today, you'll be like really glad that he's back after you hear my message, right? You'll be like, man, I'm just glad. I'm glad we don't have to put up with that again, right? So uh, uh, I, uh, I, I want to call our attention today to a passage that we'll look at in just a second called in, in 2 Peter. But, but we're gonna, I'm going to title the message, The List, today. And, um, and I'd like for us just to talk about lists for a second. Uh, does anybody keep a list of things to do? Anybody? Yeah. In fact, if it doesn't make it on my list, it doesn't get done. Have you ever, um, have you ever maybe agreed to do something and you forgot to put it on your list? Has that ever affected anybody? And uh, so I'm, I'm the guy that the minute I finish a text or hang up the phone, I'm adding it to my list right then or I will forget to add it later. Lists are powerful. They're quite helpful, very practical. Another thing that I love is, uh, is, and kind of, kind of goes along with this is, is YouTube videos. In fact, I can fix anything if somebody on a YouTube video can show me step by step how to do it, Right? Um, what, what a blessing. Man, I don't know what we did before YouTube videos, right? Uh, to be able to go step by step, this is what you do with what you have. A list is a powerful thing and can be a powerful thing in our lives, not only as we live on this earth, but, but actually in our spiritual lives as well. Have you ever, uh, <clears throat> ever been in prayer and thought, boy, God, if, if I could just have a list... If you just tell me specifically what you want me to do, I'll do it. Anybody ever felt like that? If I knew exactly what to do, I would do it. Sometimes, uh, uh, maybe, may, maybe, at least in my life, I've had moments where I have felt like I was floundering because in my Christian life because I wasn't quite sure what I should do. It led me, this love of lists, led me in pursuit in Scripture is there a list in the Word of God that would help me be successful in my walk with God? Is there a list in the Bible where do this, 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 and in the end you'll succeed? Is there such a list in the Bible? And the reality is there is. It's in 2 Peter and it's found in chapter 1. And, uh, and, and we're going to look at the first few verses here, all the way through verse 10, 11. But, but the reality is, is that this list is, is, in my life, has been so impactful. Has been so impactful because it allows me the opportunity to go, I'm doing that. I'm striving for that. I want that in my life. If you've ever floundered, if you've ever wondered, I, I wish God would just tell me ex just explicitly how to live this Christian life, this is your passage today. 
okay? It may be the most practical passage on, on how to live as a Christian in the entire Bible, okay? Here we go. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Put the brakes on for just a second and let's understand that God's power has given us everything we need for life on earth. God's power has given you everything you need. If you're a believer today and you've asked Jesus Christ into your heart and his Holy Spirit, you asked for forgiveness of sins and said, I want to give my life to you, Jesus. His Holy Spirit came into your life and the word says when that happens, when his spirit is living in you, you have everything you need to live this life. Now, sometimes the enemy likes to convince us we don't have everything we need. Sometimes the enemy likes to convince us God's abandoned us. He's not, he's, not, he's not doing what he said he would do, but that's not the case at all. The word says his divine power has given us everything we need. We already have, if his spirit is living in us, we already have everything that we need for a godly life. Now, he says through our knowledge of him, we're going to get to that in just a second, who called us by his own glorious glory and goodness, excuse me. God has empowered us to start and to finish and complete the job. You have everything living in you. Verse 4, through these, he has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us. And then verse 4, through these, he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through those promises, we may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So these promises, he's given us everything we need, but these promises are there to, to, to make sure we're standing on sure ground. These promises of God are given to us to make sure that when we have difficulty at night, when we're worrisome, when we're struggling, when we're, 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 we're tempted, we, we have these promises of God to get us through those moments. We already have everything we need. You've already got the cake. It's like God is putting the icing on the cake for us and giving us these promises to get us through. What are these promises? Let me give you some of them. The, the, did you know that there are actually 2,184 promises in the word of God. 2,184 promises to get us through. Let me give you a few of them. God says in Genesis chapter 12, I will bless you. Joshua, I will not fail you. Joshua 1. 2 Kings 20, I will heal you. Psalm 32, I will guide you. I will instruct you, he says in the word. I will teach you. I will deliver you. I will satisfy you. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you. I will hold your hand. I will not forget you. I will comfort you. I will forgive you. I will restore you. I will be your God. I will put my spirit within you. I will save you. I will love you. I will manifest myself in you. I will come again. I will be your God and you will be my people. I will fellowship with you, and I will give you a crown of life. Those are promises that every Christian in this room can take to the bank. They're assured us in him. He has given us everything we need. Oh, and he's given us these promises that assure us he's never going to leave us, and he's never going to forsake us, that he's always going to be with us. His powerful presence living 
inside of us. These are words every Christian can live by. If you're not a believer today, you can be. You can experience that in your life by simply asking him into your heart. The promises of God enable us to live holy lives, but there's a qualifier there. Through these, he's given us these very great and precious promises so that through them you may. Now, may is optional, okay? May, so that through these promises you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. God says to us, as we live this life, I'm going to partner with you I, I, I know you want more than what you've got. I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you part of my own nature. If you'll allow me, if you'll choose to participate, I'm going to give you some of my nature within you. And what's going to happen for you is you're going to see the world differently. You're going to experience things differently. You're going to understand things the way I understand them. You're going to see things the way that I see them. I'll enable you to live supernaturally in a natural world. You'll begin to understand the spiritual implications of every human heart, of every natural event. But now, interestingly enough, God says we may participate. It's our choice. That word nature, divine nature, that word nature there is the word phusis. And it actually means natural disposition. Catch this. Our natural disposition can be replaced with the natural disposition of God. Could you imagine living supernaturally in a natural world? Could you imagine that? Could you imagine the transformation in your own life as all of a sudden, I, we, I see things the way I've only, always seen them, but yet through the promises and the presence of God, now all of a sudden my mind, my heart, my life is awakened to, oh wow, there's, there's, a, different way, there's a different way to live. He promised that he would take your nature, my nature, and he'd give us his nature in replace, but it's optional. We get to choose it or not. Huh. Well, now, this is, where it gets, this is where it gets lots of fun, okay? Because you, you, take this, you take these promises, you take this presence in our life, and now God says, in the next verse, now he starts the list, okay? In verse 5, he says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. We'll stop there. To add to your faith goodness. Again, I want to just one more time mention how optional this is, okay? You want success. You want a list that's going to lead you to a successful Christian life. And I promise when we get to the end of this, you're not going to be disappointed when we get to the last verse of this, okay? So I'm talking about success. But he says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. It's, it's optional. It's my choice to add it or not. My choice to add to your faith goodness. What's goodness? Well, goodness, actually, that's used here is only used four times in the New Testament, and it's actually the word for excellence. It, it, it's, it, it's actually the word for virtue. In other words, for this reason, you've got your faith in Christ. His Spirit is living in you. Now do your best to work hard at adding goodness to your life. Moral excellence and virtue. Do the right thing. Be good in the world is what he's saying. Huh. Well, goodness, used four times is the word that he's using here, meaning be devoted to one another, 
Put others ahead of yourself. Share with God's people who are in need. Bless those who persecute you. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony. Do not be proud. Associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Don't repay evil with evil. Do what is right in the eyes of everyone, the word says. Live at peace with everyone. For this reason, because his presence is living in you, because he's giving you promises, because you have an option to allow his Natural disposition to become yours. Make every effort. Step one, add goodness to your life. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Huh. A lot of people are great at doing the right thing when everybody's watching. This is do the right thing when nobody's watching. This is doing the right thing when you're not going to get the credit. This is doing the right thing even when it costs you or hurts a little bit. Be good. Next, he says, and to add to your faith, knowledge. Knowledge. In Scripture, in the New Testament, there are three types of knowledge. There's perceived knowledge. I think this is true. There is true knowledge. I know this is true. And then there is continual knowledge. I can't learn enough. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith Goodness and then knowledge. The knowledge here is the knowledge that says I can't get enough. It's the knowledge that says I'm never done. It's the knowledge that says I've never been there and done that. There's always something more for me to discover. Always something more. It's continual knowledge. I can't learn enough. That's the intent here. I can't learn enough about God. It's it's not by hearing and listening to other people's thoughts. It's not by reading the next great book. or, Or it's not even by listening to this message this morning. It's by getting our nose in the word of God. Searching and striving to know God. If you have ever felt distant from God, I would, I, my response to you would always be check how, check how you're searching after his heart. Check how close you are to the word. There's a, so you say, well, that's good, Pastor Wendell. But uh, knowledge, this continual knowledge, this pursuit, how do I gain it? How do I get there? I would direct you to Psalm, or excuse me, Proverbs chapter 2, where Solomon says, My son, if you accept my words and store up commands within you, if you'll turn your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, if you'll call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it and search for it like silver or like a hidden treasure, he says, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and you will find the knowledge of God. It's this constant pursuit that I can discover more in Christ. Now, um, this isn't a knowledge that is only positioned to what I can understand or know, it is, it, the, the inference here is that it's knowledge that leads to action. Everybody with me? So, so it, it's great if you know a lot about scripture, but it's awful if you don't do anything with the knowledge you have. Everybody with me? It is constantly learning. It's constantly taking that next, next step and then applying it to our lives. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. And then the next verse, verse 6. And to knowledge, self-control. Self-control. Every godly, every godly person must possess self-control. That's the call of every Christian. Anger, bitterness, resentment, 
They need to be let go of, and self-control must remain. Self-control, by definition, is the activity of managing or exerting control over something. This this text here in adding self-control to the list is a call against rationalized behavior. Okay? I was a pastor for 25 years, and I had lots of conversations with people who, over time, wanted just enough God in their life to not, inter- to not interfere with their life. The minute God required something of them that required some self-sacrifice, it's a whole different ball game. It's easy to rationalize, too. Well, God meant this, but he really didn't mean that. Or God required this back then, but it's a different day today. Doesn't apply to me. Or it's it's too hard to follow. God wouldn't punish me for that. God knows who I am. He does. But the call of God is to take us from who we are and let him transform us into what he wants us to be. Huh. Well, self-control. He says we're supposed to add to our faith on the list goodness, knowledge. And then from knowledge to self-control. And then from self-control to perseverance. A definition for perseverance is this. Steady persistence in a course of action. Steady persistence in a particular direction. It's 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 a purpose and a state to life that says, I'm going this way regardless of obstacles, regardless of difficulties, regardless of discouragement, I have a direction. I'm going to hold on. I know God's promises are true. I know it's difficult. I know I'm struggling. I know I'm tempted. But I'm going to say no. I'm going to hold the line to what God has called me to. Perseverance is staying the course. Keeping with it. Not being a quitter. Sticking to it. Never giving up. Never surrendering. Running the race to the finish. James said... That we're supposed to consider it pure joy whenever we face trials. Because, you know, the testing of our faith develops perseverance. It says in James, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The thing that I find interesting about perseverance is that it's a steady pursuit in a course of action. It's a, it's a steady, constant activity moving toward regardless of difficulties. Sometimes in perseverance, things don't work out on our timetable. If anybody's ever had God lead you through a dark time in your life, I would, I would, I would venture a guess this morning it probably wasn't in your timetable. Everybody with me? Now the interesting thing about our world today, I really want us to think about this. When God says, wait, I'm doing something, I'm working in your life, hold on. It's really hard in a world that we live in like today when everything is at your fingertips. I can have everything right now. I can can ask Google and get an answer to every question, right? I can... uh, I can, I, can, I can have food delivered. I can, I, can, I can have a doctor's visit online. Forget the waiting room anymore. I can, uh, I can have what I want when I want it. You want that car? We'll finance it for 25% interest. Just sign on the line, right? You can have anything you want today. Anybody, uh, anybody, you know, anybody remember when on-demand movies came out? How great that was? Like, 
oh, I don't have to be kind and rewind anymore, right? <laughs> there it is, right? Yeah. Now, now, it's great. I mean, we have a lot of modern conveniences, but, but just hear me for a second. When everywhere in the world I can have what I want when I want it, and yet God through perseverance says, hold on, keep at it. It's not today. It's coming, but it's not now. When I live in a world that gives me what I want when I want it, can you see how difficult it is and, and, and how detrimental that can be to our spiritual development? When God says, hold on, not now. I think, I think the patience and perseverance piece of living a Christian life today is maybe the most difficult it's ever been in the history of mankind. And, and, and I think it's important for us to realize that while waiting, while steady persisting, steadily persisting, God is doing something and working things in us that we may not see in the moment. Talk to anybody who's gone through the fire, who waited, who, who stayed in the course, and they got out of it on the other side. Talk to anybody and they'll tell you, I can't tell you how close to God I was. I can't tell you how miraculous it was that he put the pieces together. I can't tell you how much I learned from that moment. Be persistent. Here's, here's, here's what persistence leads to. If you go to Romans 5, You'll read how, how, uh, how perseverance develops character, and then character develops hope. Now, what's interesting to me is Romans 5, 5 may be one of the best passages in all of Scripture, because Romans 5, 5 says, and hope will not disappoint us. For every person, even today, that's praying for something, you've been persistent, you've persevered, you're still in the fire. Hear me, the word of God says, you hold on. He's developing character within you, and out of that will come hope. And when you get to the other side, you're never going to be disappointed. That's a promise you can take from God. You're not going to get to the other side of the trial and go, is that it? That's all it was? No, you're going to get there and not be disappointed. Oh, you can short-circuit the process, you can do your own thing, but you'll miss the hope that won't disappoint you. Stay in it. Persevere. He says to add to perseverance then, godliness. Godliness. Godliness is a careful observance. A careful observance of or conformity to the laws of God. It's the state or quality of being pious, of being godly. It's conforming to the laws and the wishes of God, okay? You're, you're, you've had goodness, you've got knowledge, you've got self-control, you've got perseverance. Now God says, add to that list godliness and conform to my wishes in all things in your life. Some of you maybe have been, you, you've done really well at goodness and knowledge, at self-control, at perseverance, but maybe there's an aspect of your life that you haven't fully given over to God. Maybe there's, there's an attitude, there's a relationship, I, I don't know. There's something there that God says, I want, you, I, want you to, I want you to be in compliance with my word. I want you to follow after my heart and my wishes. And it's been a struggle to let go of. That's God saying to us, you've done all these things right, but there's more to the list. You got to be like me. You got you to succumb and surrender to my wishes. Hmm. Keith Miller said, it's never ceased to amaze me 
that we Christians have developed a kind of selective vision. This selective vision, he says, allows us to be deeply and sincerely involved in worship and church activities, and yet almost totally like the rest of the world in day-in, day-out guts of our business and family lives and never realize it. It's not just, this godliness pursuit is not just I go to church. It is I am striving to be like him at every turn, at every moment in my life. It's what godliness is. Ephesians says, Paul said, we're taught with regard to our former way of life to put off the old self and to put on the new. It's this, it's this practicing daily, this putting off of God, here's my attitude, here's this relationship, here's this moment, this is what I view, this is what I think about it, and I'm putting that off, and I'm asking you to direct me to your wishes, to your will for my life. It's the put off the old and put on the new principle. Verse 7, we're to add to godliness, brotherly kindness. The owner recently of a drive through coffee business in Portland, Oregon, she was surprised as the person who came through the lie line um, one morning, she was deciding when that person not only paid for her mocha, but paid for the individual who was behind her and paid for her coffee as well. The owner smiled as she told the next customer that her drink had already been paid for. Well, guess what that second customer did? That second customer was so pleased that she bought the coffee for the next person. That story of kindness and that string of decency from one stranger to another paying for each other's coffee, it continued for the next two hours. 27 customers decided they would pay for the person behind them. Isn't that a great story? You know what's interesting about that? Man, that 28th customer was a tightwad. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine that? I mean, that 28th customer, can you imagine coming to the window and the lady's like, two hours, this has been going on. Would you like to pay? No, I'm good. I'm... <laughs> Thank you. What a tightwad, man. How could you not keep that going, right? Um, the, the, the interesting thing here about brotherly kindness, mutual affection, is, uh, is, is, it's the word phileo, it, it's, it's where we get Philadelphia, it's, it's, it's love of each other, it's, it's being kind to one another more than love. Now, what's interesting to me is a lot of people get kindness, right? I mean, listen, if you're a Christian, you're supposed to be kind to one another, is that, is that fair? You could walk into most churches and you'll get a, you'll get a good wave, You'll get a nice firm handshake and a smile and a how are you doing and a pat on the back. Those are all great. That's a great start, but it's not the end. Because he says you start on the list, be kind, brotherly kindness, care about each other. And then the next one, though, on the list, boy, he, he just turns the volume up to a max of 100. It's, it's all the way up. He says add to your faith mutual affection, brotherly kindness, and then love. Love. Now, this is not a conditional love. This is not as long as you type love. This is unconditional. There's a deeper quality of love which has no limits. There's a deeper quality of love that has no conditions. In fact, the only way to describe it is to say that God is agape. 
It's the highest expression of love, and it's the ultimate mark of being a Christian. It's a fruit of the Spirit. So when the Spirit living inside of us, because the Spirit is living inside of us, it's as if the Spirit says love is there because I'm there. it's, it's, It's also, the word says, the way Christians are supposed to be recognized in the world. John 13, 35, by this all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. I, I think it's interesting to me that, and church, hear me, in a, in a world that is uh, filled with a cancel culture, in a world in which you say or do one thing wrong and you're written off forever, church, could you see how God could use the church to really transform lives? Because the church can offer grace and love when no one else offers it. And church, I think we're at a spot where if we could get this right, if we could love the world the way Christ does, if we could truly move past just simple kindness and really get to deep sacrificial love, I think there could be no end for the church today. This can be a defining pinnacle moment in our lives. Huh. It's as if on the list, Peter is telling us, just when you think you got this brotherly kindness thing figured out, move on to unconditional love. Move on. Jim and Philip did everything together when they were kids. They even went to high school and to college together. After college, they decided to join the Marines together. They were both sent to Germany where they fought side by side in one of history's ugliest wars. During a fierce battle, They were given the command to retreat. As the men were running back, Jim noticed that Philip hadn't returned with the others in their unit. Jim went to his commanding officer and he begged him. He said, please let me go after my friend. But the officer forbade the request, saying that it would be certain suicide. Jim disobeyed and he went after Philip. His heart pounding, he ran into the gunfire, calling out, For his friend Philip. A short time later, his platoon saw him holding, hobbling across the field as he held this limp body in his arms. The commanding officer shouted at Jim for his outrageous risk. He said to him, Jim, your friend is dead. There was nothing you could do. To which Jim replied, no sir, I got there just in time. Before Philip died, he said, I knew you would come. It's the type of love that says, I'm going to be with you in your pain. It's the type of love that says, I won't abandon you. It's the type of love that says to the most egregious in the world, you matter to me. It's the type of love where we roll up our sleeves and we get into the trenches with another's hurt. And another's pain. We can be kind. And churches all across America do a great job at being kind. I'm saying take your kindness to the next level. And see what God could do. Will we sacrifice our wants and wishes so that others can find help? So that they can find healing? I find it interesting. I think there are two types of people in the world. There are people that walk in a room and go, here I am. And then there are people that walk in a room and go, there you are. There you are. 
It's this self-sacrifice that says you matter to me and you matter to God. Well, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. That's the list. Now let's go to verse 8. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure... They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you have felt ineffective in your Christian walk, he says, follow these things, add to the list, do the list, add those things to your life, and all of a sudden you'll go from ineffective to effective. You'll go from unproductive to productive. These things will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. If you've ever wanted your life to count for something, If you've ever wanted your life to count for something great, something meaningful, something lasting, something everlasting, something victorious, add to your faith. It's your choice to participate. Possessing these qualities ensures effectiveness and productivity. Go to verse 9. But if anyone doesn't have them, he's nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that God's basically done anything in your life. That he's nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from past sins. And then now verse 10 and 11 is where it really gets good. Therefore, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. My brothers and sisters, the version on the, on the screen says, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. And then here it is. For if you do these things, if you'll add these things On the list to your faith, if you do these things, you will never stumble. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I could go from ineffectiveness to effectiveness. I could go from unproductive to productive. I could go from failing to thriving if all I do is follow the list. Never stumble. There's another passage that says if you do these things, you will never fail. You'll never fail. Could you imagine... Living your Christian life in such a way where you didn't fail anymore? There's the list. Verse 11. And you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, you may participate. That's the qualifier. And make every effort to add. We've got to choose to add. But if we'll do these things, imagine success not failure. If you've ever wanted a list, there it is. Here's my word of encouragement to you, okay? Maybe, maybe a way to take this list and apply it to our lives would be to uh, write it on a post-it note, put it on a mirror in your bathroom, put the list in your wallet, uh, put, it, uh, put it on your fridge, Make a, make a memo note in your phone that every day I'm supposed to add to my faith. I'm supposed to do these things. Maybe focus on one trait for a week, then move to the next trait and continue and, and, and do it over and over again. I'll start with goodness, I'll, I'll, I'll end with love, and then I'm going to start it all over again. Make it your effort to possess these qualities in increasing measure, the Word says, and you'll never fail. And you'll receive a rich welcome. Father, I pray that your your word rings true in our lives. I pray that you help us, Father, follow after your heart. I thank you for this list, but I also know 
It's not just completing the task, it's the heart that you care about. So I pray, Father, that you will help our hearts and position our hearts for more of what you have and not less. And may you make for us a people that are your very own, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Wasn't that great? Thank you for that great word, Pastor Wendell. So appreciate him being here today and speaking to us. Have you had a great time this morning? Was that unanimous? Have you had a great time this morning? Hey, here's the thing. It's only getting better from here. We're not done yet. In each service this morning, we have a few lifers who are taking the important step of public baptism in their journey with Christ. We had three young adults in our first service who were baptized, and I think maybe three or four more this service. Baptism, it's an outward expression of what has already happened in our heart and in our spirit with Jesus. Here's the symbolism of baptism right here in this tub. What we're doing is when we lower someone into the water, the symbolism is that they are dying uh, to their sinfulness, to their self-centered living, their selfish lifestyle. And when they're raised out of the water, they're raised to new life in Jesus, a life of following him and being his disciple, as Pastor Wendell was talking about, a life of joy and peace and purpose as we journey with him through his spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it this way, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone and the new has come. That's what we're celebrating today. And it's exciting when people make that declaration that they are committing to Jesus as Lord and leader of their life. Let's celebrate with them this morning. Uh, getting baptized right now, we have Brady Wiles. Brady, why don't you introduce yourself and talk a little bit about what Jesus is doing in your life? My name is Brady, and I've always been a strong believer and follower of God until depression hit. That's when these questions came flooding into my head, like, if I can't love my and accept myself, how is God going to accept me? And I've done so many bad things, how can I be forgiven? But God has proved to me that he does love me through many people in my life, like Andrew Ross, the former youth pastor. And I want to pass that forward and show other people that God loves everyone. And I can't do that without taking every step I can to get closer to God. And I believe this is the next step. Brady, we're really proud of you. There's tons of people in this room right now that are so excited to be able to journey along with you in your relationship with Jesus. We're here for you. We love you. We got your back. And we are so thankful for the decision that you've made to follow Jesus. And we're so excited to see what he's going to do in your life and continue to reach people and bring people to Jesus through you. So it's through your profession of faith and uh, your commitment to continue to follow Jesus that we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes, you're going to read it for us. 
you're going to read it for us because it's your story and we want to hear it. Um, and we are so proud of you. So, Caleb, tell them how old you are. I am 11 years old. And why don't you read your story for us? The reason why I want to get baptized is to show that I can be a leader to my younger siblings. I also want to get baptized because I have Jesus in my heart. And if I do make a lot of mistakes, I would still have him in my heart. That's awesome, Caleb. And when Caleb told me that, um, that he uh, wanted to be that leader for his siblings, I said, buddy, that is... Um, that is so amazing that he recognizes that now, right? Because our kids, they're not the, the church of tomorrow, right? They're the church of right now, aren't they? Yes, they are. So, Caleb, will you sit down for me right there? Sit down right there. Oh, yes. Let's take your name tag off. We'll, that'll get all wet. <laughs> all right. Put your hand over your nose for me. Caleb, it's uh, because of your profession of faith in Jesus that we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Hi, Carson. All right, Carson. I'm, gonna I'm just going to have you stand right up here because you're a little shorter. That way they can see you, okay? All right. I'm going to have you hold this and read it in one second. Carson, can you tell them? I'll hold it for you. Can you tell them how old you are? I am eight. I mean, seven. Oh, seven. Well, he's ready to be eight, though. He's ready. All right, Carson, you want to read your story for us and tell him? Pastor Toy. Oh, um, here, right here. Please. I mean, right here. I decided to follow Jesus at Summerfest. I know the God in, is with me wherever I go is cradled, and I and he cradled me. That's right. God is creative because he created you, and you, my friend, are super special. And when I was listening, you can go ahead and sit down, buddy. When I was listening to Carson share, I um, just heard him tell all about how he um, saw God um, create everything, like how he just sees God everywhere. Isn't that amazing at this young age for this guy to see and recognize that our God is always with us? pretty amazing. So Carson, I'm so proud of you, buddy. And I'm so glad I get to baptize you today. You want to put your hand over your nose for me right there? Yep. Just like that. Oh, he's got it. Okay. All right. You got it, buddy. All right, Carson, it's because of your profession of faith that we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> My friend Teo. Teo's Teo and Caleb are both leaving us to go to teen life. So tell them how old you are. I'll hold that for you. Tell them I'm 11 years old. 11 years old. And Teo, you guys just moved here a few months ago, not too long ago. So we're so glad to have your family with us here. You want to share your story? The first time I asked Jesus to come into my heart, it was late at night and I was really scared and had and having really scary thoughts. My mom helped me and said I should pray and ask God to help. 
I felt better right away, and the scary thoughts went away, and I had good dreams ever since. God came into my life. My family has been blessed with our church, my sports, my community, our house. Thank you, Jesus. And Teo, I just, I, when Teo and I were meeting, um, this guy just kept talking about, and I just know God did this, and he did that, and he's here with me, and I'm just so proud, buddy, that right now, that at 11 years old, that you're already going, you know what, I know that was God, right? That's amazing, bud. I'm so proud of you. So excited I get to baptize you today. You want to cover your nose? Ready to go? All right. Teo, because of your profession of faith in Jesus, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. All right. Would you join me in praying for these young men as they continue to follow Jesus? God, we thank you so much for this celebration that Teo and Caleb and Carson and Brady, all at different ages, God, have already made the decision to follow you. God, it is the best decision they will ever make in their life is the decision to follow hard after you. And so I pray, Lord, you are continuing. You're already working, Lord. They don't have to wait till they're older for you to work in their lives. And Lord, I thank you for the ways that you're already working, and we trust you that you will continue to complete this good work that you have began in each one of their hearts. I thank you for them and the way you created them, and I pray, Lord, today that they would follow you, serve you, and love you every single day of the rest of their lives. God, we thank you again and we praise you for baptism today, for these decisions that these guys have made to continue to follow you with their whole heart. We love you. You are so good. You are so faithful, God. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and continue to worship him today. without hope and no place to begin your love made a way to let mercy come in when death was arrested my life began ash was redeemed only beauty remains My orphan heart was given a name. My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested and my life began. We sing it together today, your grace. Oh, your grace, so free. Washes over me. 
chains, I'm a prisoner no more. My shame was a ransom and faithfully bore. He canceled my debt. He canceled my debt and he called me his friend. Darkness rejoices, oh heaven at last. We sing it out, but then Jesus. But then Jesus arose with our freedom in hand. That's when death was arrested and my life began. That's when.